We can get confused going through these lists of kings. The great lesson for us is found in a couple of other scriptures. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Uh, and another one that says, the wicked shall be turned into Sheol. It's translated King James Version of the, uh, hell. It means the grave, the pit. The wicked, the, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. That story is lived out here in the accounts of these kings, both of the northern kingdom and indeed in the southern kingdom. In the northern kingdom, there was never a king who did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. It was always he did that which was evil. An unbroken line of evil rulers. We're going to see, however, in the passage that we're going to see tonight, look at, and we'll, again, we'll be in Second Chronicles 22, and also be in Second Kings chapter 9. They both give something of the same account in some of this. One gives a little more information, perhaps, than the other. But what we, well, I, I think it pretty well spells it out again, so we'll just... We'll just start, it's, it's a pretty long passage. We're just going to go right through it and uh, make a comment here and there as to how it is applicable to you and me and to the world, really. Even, even the, the writer to the Proverbs said, um, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people suffer. And it's not seen any more clearly here than, the, any more clearly than here in this account uh, all the way through. So we'll, we'll start reading it and we'll pick up on some things that we've already studied and see how one sort of melts into the other. The reign of Ahaziah, now he's the king of Judah. So we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 22. Beginning in verse 1, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem made Ahaziah his youngest son king in his stead, Jehoram. Now, verse 2 is there's a, well, the conjunctive here that begins verse 1 tells us that the writer of Chronicles sort of makes, makes the reigns of Jehoram and Ahaziah something of the same thing. That's, that's more clear when we get down to verse 2, but let's continue in verse 1. King in his stead, for the troop that had come from the Arabians to the camp had slain all of the first ones. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, the king of Judah, reigned. Ahaziah was 42 years old when he began to reign. Now, this, this is not exactly the way that the writer to the kings puts it. But the reason it says he's, the reign is 42 years, he begins to reign, he's, he's combining the reign that just preceded the reign of Jehoram with the reign of Ahaziah. 
And he reigned one year in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri. Omri is the father of Ahab. This is Ahab's sister. She has made her way. The house of Ahab and Jezebel has, has made its way into the royal court of Judah. Now, we, we fault Jehoshaphat with this because we talked about this last time. For some reason, he felt like he had to be friends with Ahab and king of Israel, the northern kingdom. There's really no need for it because Jehoshaphat had, had, a, had a much more uh, prosperous reign. His kingdom was much more prosperous than Israel. Judah was far greater than Israel at that point in time. And, and why he felt compelled, it doesn't say, it just says that he joined Ahab, he joined the northern kingdom in, in wars and it becomes obvious through other scriptures that we've seen that they, they had their families came together with feasts, the two kings and their households. So the sons of Jehoshaphat begin to come under the ungodly influence of the king of the northern kingdom. Now this, begin, this begins to spoil the more or less righteous rule of the household of David in the southern kingdom of Judah. So it's a very interesting development. Athaliah then is the queen mother of Ahaziah. Actually, when we combine both accounts here and what is written in the Kings and other records that are found, we discover that Athaliah, now she's a Baal worshiper. She's a priestess of Baal, daughter of Omri, sister of Ahab. She is, she's neck deep or more in idolatry and in the worship of Baal, false god. It is that worship that ultimately and finally destroyed the northern kingdom. And then ultimately idolatry destroys the southern kingdom, though at a later date than the northern kingdom. So then the household of Ahab now sits in a position of authority in the kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah. It's very dangerous. It is her, we're going to see that she has counselors and that she talked her son into bringing all these other counselors in and those counselors would have had the idea, the ideas that she had with regard to culture and uh, paganism, worship, Baal, all these things. In the very place where the temple of Yahweh sits, where the son of David is supposed to be seated on the throne, here circumstances have been worked by Satan such that Athaliah actually 
is ruling with authority because her son only reigns for one year, and yet she continues. Now, we, well, let's look at the continuing saga here. He, too, went in the ways of the house of Ahab because his mother would advise him to deal wickedly. So he was following all of the counsel of his wicked mother, the sister of Ahab, Baal worshiper. And now it is this person, albeit for a brief span of time still, this person, this woman, the queen mother, becomes the ruler for a space of time in Judah because of the death of Ahaziah. Now, he did that which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh, as did the house of Ahab, because they were his advisors after his father's death to bring about his destruction. The counselors were conspiring to take away the rule of the house of David and even destroy the seed of David, the house of David. This was their job. They came very close to doing it. But Yahweh has a covenant that cannot be broken. He too followed their counsel. He went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, the king of Israel, to war against Hazael, the king of Aram, and Ramot Gilead, and the Arameans smote Joram. He went back to be healed in Jezreel because of the smiters who smote him in Ramah. When he waged war with Hazael, the king of Aram, and Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was ill. Okay, you got all that? It's a mess. And it's working against the southern kingdom in general and the house of David specifically because the, the, the household of Ahab, the relatives of Ahab, the worshiper, worshipers of Baal, the conspirators against Judah, the God of Israel, the temple worship, all that. These conspirators have been able to find their way into the most powerful positions of authority in the southern kingdom. It's almost unbelievable. So now they're, they're big buddies here, you see, looking out for one another. So there is a connection here that should have never taken place. And it goes back to the poor decisions of Jehoshaphat when he was a good king, but he failed here. And the worst part, he failed in his household. He failed his family by allowing them to have the wrong kind of influence. So now we go to the reign of Jehu in Israel. And we'll be looking at the same account, but in a little bit different way found in both 2 Chronicles 22 and 2 Kings 9, extending all the way through the end of chapter 10. So this is a rather lengthy passage. Now the downfall of Ahaziah was from Elohim, okay? God ordained the downfall of Ahaziah. 
insofar as he came to Joram. When he came, he went out with Jehoram to Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom Yahweh had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. Okay? Elijah did that. Elijah anointed Jehu to be the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, whether or not Jehu knew all this, whether or not he understood and knew that he was working in the will and by the purpose of Yahweh, we don't know. But we do know this, Yahweh was in control. And all that happened in the, in the exploits of Jehu happened because it was from Elohim. You see that? Jehu anointed by Yahweh, what? To cut off the house of Ahab. Sometime back earlier, Maybe you'll remember, Yahweh had judged the household of Ahab and Jezebel. He judged them. That judgment will be relieved. It will be executed somehow, some way, someday. So Elohim, Yahweh is moving through Jehu, who is anointed by Elisha the prophet to become the king of the northern kingdom. And part of that, because he was not of the household of Ahab, part of that will be for him to cut off, to destroy the house of Ahab. Now, this is God working in the affairs of men. He's working in the hearts of men, one who will become king. And even he, even this guy whom Yahweh has anointed through Elisha to be the king of the northern kingdom and has sent him by his power, the power of his spirit, has sent him on this mission to destroy the household of Ahab. Even he, it says, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now think about that. The, the plot in all of this that we're looking at centers upon the covenant that Yahweh has made with the house of David, the seed of David. The son of David must finally sit on the throne of the kingdom of God and he will rule and reign forever and be known as the king of kings. He will sit on the throne of David. And of course, this is none other than the Christ of God. So nothing is going to stop that, even though all of hell has conspired through the, through the power and persuasion of Ahab and his kinfolks and how they have gained influence in the household of Jehoshaphat, the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, and now have even positioned themselves to where the queen mother, a, a Baal worshiper, an idolater, has found herself in the highest position of authority in the southern kingdom. So what happens to the, what happens to the seed of, of David? It came to pass when Jehu executed justice upon the house of Ahab that he found the chiefs of Judah and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers ministering to Ahaziah, and he killed them. He slew them. And he sought Ahaziah and they seized him. He was hiding in Samaria. They brought him to Jehu. They slew him. They buried him. 
For they said, he's the son of Jehoshaphat who sought Yahweh with all of his heart. And the house of Ahaziah could not muster up strength for the kingdom. But they did allow him to be buried uh, in, a, in an honorable place. Now we go to 2 Kings chapter 9 to see the story as it's told in 2 Kings 9. Elisha the prophet summoned one of the disciples of the prophets and said to him, gird your loins and take this cruise of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And you shall come there and see there Jehu the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and you shall come and raise him up from among his brothers and bring him into an inner chamber. And you shall take the cruise of oil, pour it on his head. You shall say, so said Yahweh, I have anointed you as king over Israel. And you shall open the door and flee. Do not tarry. So he's, he's we go in there, run in there, quickly pour the oil. And he said, I've anointed you in the name of Yahweh. You're going to be king of Israel. And then get out. So that's what he, so it tells you still that uh, the servants of Yahweh are enemies of, of these, these people here. So he's anointed him as king over Israel. Now, the lad, the disciple of the prophet, went to Remot Gilead, and he came, and behold, the officers of the army were sitting, and he said, I have a message for you, officer. And Jehu said, for which one of all of us? And he said, for you, officer. And he arose and came to the house and poured oil on his head. He said to him, so said Yahweh, the God of Israel, I have anointed you as king over Yahweh's people over Israel. And you shall strike the house of Ahab, your master. I will avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all of Yahweh's servants from Jezebel. And the entire house of Ahab will perish. And I will cut off from Ahab all males and every restrained and free in Israel. And I shall render the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now, the house of Jeroboam, Jeroboam the first is the one who originally led the northern kingdom to split away from the grandson of David, Rehoboam. So you had David, then you had Solomon who sinned, and God said, I will tear the kingdom in half, Solomon, because you are a sinner, but I will not do it until you're dead for the sake of your father, David. And he did it then with Solomon's son, Rehoboam, and the kingdom divided. And Jeroboam is the guy who led the rebellion and he became very evil in leading the people away from Yahweh. And so Yahweh had placed a judgment against the household of Jeroboam the first. And so here's what he says. He said, I'm going to make the house of Ahab just like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat and like the house of Baasha the son of Ahijah. And the dogs will eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel and no one will bury her. And he opened the door and fled. So he gave his prophecy and he got out of there. He ran. And the prophecy was, was uh, very stark and to the point. And not much was left out there. They hastened. Each one took his garment and they put them under him on the top step. And they sounded the shofar and said, Jehu has become king. Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, revolted against Joram. While Jordan was guarding in Remot Gilead, he and all Israel against Hazael, the king of Aram. And King Jehoram returned to recuperate in Jezreel from the wounds that the Arameans had inflicted upon him when he fought with Hazael, the king of Aram. And Jehu said, if you so desire, 
uh, let no survivor leave the city to go and tell in Jezreel. Now remember, we read the, practically the same, some of this stuff the same just earlier, but now we're in 2 Kings. So there's a little more here in 2 Kings than there was in uh, 2 Chronicles. Jehu rode and went to Jezreel for Jordan was lying there and Ahaziah, the king of, king of Judah, went to see Jordan. And the lookout was standing on the tower in Jezreel. He saw Jehu's troop when it came and he said, I see a troop. Jehoram said, take a rider and send, to him, send him toward them and let him ask the question, is there peace? The horse rider went toward him and said, so said the king, is there peace? Jehu said, what is it to you whether there is peace? Fall in behind me. And the lookout reported saying, the messenger came up to them and did not return. So he joined them. He sent a second horse rider who came to them and said, so said the king, is there peace? And Jehu said, what is it to you whether there is peace? Fall in behind me. The lookout reported saying he came up to them and he did not return. His driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives madly. He, he, he had a hot rod chariot and he was, he didn't burn rubber. What did he burn? Iron, I guess. He was burning iron. He was coming. He was on a mission. Jehoram said, hitch up. Hitched up his chariot, Jehoram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah, went out each in his own chariot. They went toward Jehu, and they found him in the territory of Nebot, the Jezreelite. And when it was Jehoram saw Jehu, that he said, is there peace, Jehu? And he said, what peace is there with the harlotries of Jezebel, your mother, and her numerous sorceries? So Jehoram turned his hands around and fled. And he said to Ahaziah, treachery, Ahaziah. This guy's not come in a friendly way. Jehu put all of his strength into his bow and he hit Jehoram between his arms. The arrow protruded from his heart and he fell to his knees in his chariot. And he said to Bidkar, his officer, pick him up, throw him into the territory of the field of Nebat, the Jezreelite. For remember that you and I were riding together after Ahab, his father, when Yahweh pronounced this prophecy upon him. Did I not see the blood of Nebot and the blood of his children last night, says Yahweh. I shall requite you in this plot, says Yahweh. And now pick him up, and throw him into, the, uh, into this plot, according to the word of Yahweh. Ahaziah, the king of Judah, saw and he fled by way of the garden house and Jehu pursued him. And he said, strike him too in the chariot. And they struck him at the ascent of Gur, which is near Ibleum. And he fled to Megiddo and he died there. And his servants carried him in a chariot to Jerusalem. And they buried him in his grave with his forefathers in the city of David. And in the 11th year of Joram, uh, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah became king over Judah. Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard, she painted her eyes, adorned her head, and looked out the window. Jehu came into the gate and she said, Is there peace, Zimri, assassin of his master? He lifted his face to the window and said, Who is with me? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out to him and he said, Push her out. They pushed her out. She fell out from a 
high floor there. Her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses. They trampled her. They just made a mess out of her. And he came and he ate and he drank. I like this guy. And he said, attend to this cursed woman and bury her. For she is a king's daughter. Remember this now. Here she is splattered all over the place. And then the horses came and ground up what was left. And he wants to eat something and drink something. <laughs> and they went to bury her. But they did not find they did not find of her save the skull, the feet, and the palms of her hands. Dogs ate her up. They returned and told him and said, It is Yahweh's word, which he spoke through his prophet Elisha, Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the territory of Jezreel, the dogs will devour Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's corpse shall be as done upon the field in the territory of Jezreel, so that no one will say, this is Jezebel. Moving on to chapter two. Now Ahab had 70 sons. Now remember, he's on a quest. He's got to destroy the household of Ahab. Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria. That's the capital city of the northern kingdom. Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria to the officials of Jezreel, the elders, to those who were brought up uh, and to those who brought up Ahab's children saying, and now when this letter reaches you and your master's sons are with you and the chariots and the horses and the fortified city and arms are with you and you shall select the best and most suitable of your master's sons and place him on his father's throne and fight for your master's house. They were very frightened and they said, behold, the two kings were unable to resist him. How are we going to resist him? And the one appointed over the palace and the one appointed over the city and the elders and those who brought up the children sent to Jehu saying, we are your servants. Everything you say to us, we will do. We will not appoint anyone as king. You do what pleases you. And he sent them a letter a second time saying, if you're with me and you obey my orders, fetch the heads of the men of your master's sons. Come to me at this time tomorrow to Jezreel. Now the king's sons are 70 men. They're with the elders of the city who are raising them. It came to pass when the letter reached them that they took the king's sons and slaughtered them, 70 of them, 70 men. They placed their heads in pots and sent them to him in Jezreel. And the messenger came and told him saying, they have brought the heads of the king's sons. And he said, place them in two piles at the entrance of the gate until morning. And it was in the morning that he went out and stood and he said to all the people, uh, you are righteous. Behold, I revolted against my master and slew him. But who slew all of these? Know then that nothing of, of the word of Yahweh or Yahweh's word shall fall to the ground, which Yahweh spoke concerning the house of Ahab. And Yahweh has done what he spoke through his servant, Elijah. Jehu slew all those remaining of the house of Ahab and Jezreel and all the notables and his relatives and his priests until he did not leave over a survivor. So we're talking about slaughtering the household, but also slaughtering the, the religious leaders. He arose and came up and went to Samaria. He was at the meeting place of the shepherds on the road and Jehu found the brothers of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and he said, who are you? And they said, we are Ahaziah's brothers. 
We have come down to greet the sons of the king and the sons of the queen mother. And he said, seize them alive. And they seized them alive and slaughtered uh, and slaughtered into the pit of the meeting place, 42 men. He did not leave over even one of them. Now, we're, we're getting on dangerous ground here regarding, regarding the seed of David. And he went from there and found Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming toward him. And he greeted him and said to him, is your heart right as my heart is with your heart? Jehonadab said, indeed it is. Give me your hand. And he gave him his hand and lifted him up into the chariot to him. And he said, come with me and see my zeal for Yahweh. They caused him to ride in the chariot. And he came to Samaria and struck down all of those of Ahab that remained in Samaria until he had destroyed them according to the word of Yahweh, which he had spoken to Elijah. Now Jehu assembled all the people and said to them, Ahab worshiped the Baal a little. Jehu will worship him much. And now summon to me all the prophets of the Baal and all of his worshipers, all of his priests, not one was missing for I have a great sacrifice for the Baal. Anyone who is absent shall not live. But Jehu was acting with cunning in order to exterminate the Baal worshipers. Jehu said, proclaim an assembly for the Baal. And they called. Jehu sent throughout all of Israel. All the Baal worshipers came. No one was left who did not come. And they came to the temple of the Baal. And the temple of the Baal was filled from entrance to entrance. And he said to the one appointed over the wardrobe, bring out the vestments for all of the Baal worshipers. He brought out the vestments for them. Jehu and Je uh, Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, came to the temple of the Baal and he said to the Baal worshipers, search and see whether any of the servants of Yahweh is here with you, except the Baal worshipers only. They came to perform sacrifices, burnt offerings, and Jehu had appointed for himself 80 men outside. And he said, the one from uh, whom one of the people I bring into your hands will escape. His life shall be forfeit for his life. You let one guy get away, I'm going to kill you for it. And it was when he finished performing the burnt offering that, Jehu's, that Jehu said to the couriers and to the officers, come and strike them down, kill them all. Let no man out. They struck them down by the blade of the sword, the couriers, the officers, cast them out, went up into the city of the temple of Baal. They took out the monument of the temple of the Baal and burned it. They tore down the monument of the Baal. They tore down the temple of the Baal and made it for a privy until this day. He made an outhouse out of it. And Jehu abolished the Baal from Israel. However, Jehu did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he caused Israel to sin. The golden calves that were in Bethel and they were in Dan. And Yahweh said to Jehu, since you did well by executing what was proper in my eyes, according to all that was in my heart, you have done to the house of Ahab, your descendants of the fourth generation shall occupy the throne of Israel. But Jehu did not observe to follow the law of Yahweh, the God of Israel wholeheartedly. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam that he caused Israel to sin. In those days, Yahweh commenced to be vexed with Israel. Hazael struck them throughout the entire border of Israel. From the east side of the Jordan, the entire land of Gilead, 
the Gadites, the Reubenites, the Manassites, the, the Aror, which is by the Arnon River, and the Gilead, and the Bashan. And the rest of the acts of Jehu and, uh, Jehu and all the, that he did and all of his might are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Jehu slept with his forefathers. They buried him in Samaria. Jehoahaz, his son, reigned in his stead. And the days that Jehu reigned over Israel were 28 years in Samaria. All right, now. We go back to those two um, passages of Scripture that I quoted at the outset. What has happened, and we will see it, we're not going to be there tonight, but there was one little baby boy of the seed of David. He was hidden by his nursemaid when all the others of the seed of David, the household of Ahaziah, all those, that king of Judah, when all of his sons were slain, his household, this woman hid this little baby and took him to the area around the temple and hid him there for years. So there was still the seed of David to assume the throne. Now look at all that Yahweh did working through the, working through the hearts and lives of so many people. Some of them who finally wound up rejecting Yahweh in the worship, like Jehu, for example. Look what a zeal I have for Yahweh. Look what I'm going to do. This is what the word of the Yahweh said. This is what Elijah the prophet said would happen. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, he accomplished the will of Yahweh. And this is the priority of Yahweh. Yahweh can do anything with anybody he wants to. Because he is God. The question of the sovereignty of God is asked in Romans chapters um, 9, 10, and 11. And talks about how God hardened Pharaoh's heart and all these things. <clears throat> the, the question was asked, how, how can he do this? How can, how can he, what, what do you say? He does all this? He... And the answer from heaven comes like this. He is the potter. We are the clay. Will the clay look into the face of the potter and say, don't make me like this, make me like this. Don't make me a spittoon. Make me a, a, a glamorous vase in which the wine of the king will sit and from which it will be poured. The clay cannot look to the potter and say, you must do with me like this. This is a great point. And for the people of God, we should never lose faith. He's always in control. He knows exactly what is happening. And when he sees fit, he replaces kings and kingdoms. Even though the times may be very confusing and frustrating to the people of God, yet still at the bottom of all of it, our faith is in God. He, he's, he's, he, there is no oversight. I mean, there's no overlooking things in the mind of God. He knows precisely and it's working according to his plan. Some time back, he swore in his wrath to destroy the household of Ahab. And the time came. And he did. He sent the prophet to anoint a guy 
who winds up still being sinful like Jeroboam, who caused it all to start happening in the first place, way back when he split the 10 northern tribes from, from Judah. And yet Yahweh is the one. It isn't the story of Jehu or Ahaziah. It isn't the story of any. It's the story of Yahweh. It's the story of God. It is the story of his purpose. It is the story of the seed of David, the son of David, who will finally and at last sit on the throne of an everlasting kingdom. That's the bottom line of the whole thing. And all of these, all of these details that are worked out are worked out by the providential oversight of Almighty God. And he hasn't diminished in that oversight. He's still doing things today. We are headed to the times of consummation. We are headed to the end of the times of the Gentiles. We are headed, and we, I think, are very close to the time when the human race will collapse so completely that it will agree with itself to follow even the Antichrist into a battle against the returning Christ, thinking to defy him and to stop him from establishing his kingdom in the world. Of course, that will never happen. And it's the beauty, it's the wonder, it's the glory of the word of God. He not only tells us how it all starts, he shows us how it works through in the history of man, in the time of man, and finally comes to its consummation at the end of all things. So this is a perfect example here of how God is working in the hearts and minds of men. He even lets them, he even establishes them and he anointed this guy's king to destroy the household of Ahab but to his purpose and for his glory. Well, we'll stop it there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.